0: Uh, this is Easter of uh, 2018. Uh, we are beginning a day today, a, uh, a new sermon series entitled "Reflect." Uh, we're going to be going over for the next four weeks, uh, looking at some things about reflect, and it's a sermon series uh, causing us to have a period in our life to where that we can look back and be thankful and grateful for what all God has done in our life but also to cause us to reflect in the current situation to know how to prepare for a better future. And this series is going to help us in a lot of ways as a church, as a body of believers, to do greater things than we've ever done before by reflecting. And I believe it's something biblical and something that God wants us to do as individuals. And what better time than Easter to kick off a sermon series to give us four weeks uh, leading up and going towards our summer uh, to accomplish things that God wants us to do. Look at your neighbor neighbor and say, how long has it been since you reflected? How long has it been since you reflected? The word reflect means to think deeply or carefully about. To think deeply or carefully about. So we're going to ponder some things here today, but our scripture today is in Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 is the place we want to take our text from today. Verse 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whosoever keep the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so that he waiteth on his master shall be honored. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. That's in the New Living Translation. The King James says, "As In water, face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. Verse 20, hell and destruction are never full, so are the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we're grateful for your word. God, we just pray that it would accomplish the thing that you set it out to do. God, I pray today for our children's church workers, for our nursery workers. God, that they would just be able to convey your son Jesus and him coming out of the grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave in a way that the kids can understand. God, give them an anointing that they can just uh, pour out your word upon those kids' lives, that they can hear and understand. God, we thank you for the egg hunt we're going to have after a while. Keep us all safe. And But God, in this room today, as adults, you said in your word that unless we come as children, God, that we can no longer, no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. So I pray today that you would make us like a bunch of kids in this room, that our heart will be receptive to your word, that it will be so simple, God, that your truth about your son would be made real in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, amen. Amen. To reflect, to think deeply or carefully about. And in this, when I begin to think about this sermon series, we've got four different sermon series this year. This is the first one of 2018 for us as a church as we're going to go through these next four weeks to see that we need to reflect to think deeply or carefully about the spiritual things in our lives. But in this proverb that uh, Solomon wrote, he said, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And I believe in the world that we live today, there needs to be that we have some friends. Amen? How many, how many joys the friends you have? Amen? You should cherish your friends. You should count yourself blessed if you have friends. So it's saying here that uh, Solomon, I'm sure he was one of the richest men on the earth at that point in time because uh, all of uh, Africa would come to visit him. With, uh, just They heard rumors about the things God was doing in Israel. So people from all over the world was traveling to hear him. And I'm sure that he felt like that he had a lot of people that desired to see him or meet him because of his uh, stature and the things that God was doing. But I'm sure that he found few friends. The more things we get in life, the more consumed we are by things, the more friends will show up. And if you don't believe me, just win the lottery. Yep. Come on, somebody. Wow. Win the lottery, you have all kinds of friends. If you people coming out of the woodwork, you'll have family that you didn't know existed if you win the lottery. I've never had that problem, never won the lottery, but if I do, I'm sure I'll gain some new family members. But friends will be there. But the Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that he is there through our troubled times. And I thank God for my family, but I thank God for my friends because they're my friends by choice, not because they have to. Yeah. Old, parent, old times parents used to say, you know, you can, you need to choose your friends wisely. You can't choose your uh, uh, family because they're already there with you, but you need to choose your friends wisely. Look at your neighbor and say, choose your friends wisely. Because iron sharpens iron. You need some friends that are there to tell you the truth sometimes. How many's ever had a friend tell you the truth when you didn't want to hear it? Amen. We need to hear those things. We need to listen when God allows our friends to sharpen us because a knife that stays dull is a knife that's never hit the whetstone. And I believe that individuals in this room today, that if we've never allowed anybody to hone our life or allowed God's word to speak through those people into our life, we will be dull in this life. And I don't want to live a dull life. I want to be sharp, amen? That's why I'm sharp dressed this morning. Leslie told me what shirt, you know, it's kind of Easterish looking. My pastel colors is coming out. It's awesome here today, amen. So iron sharpens iron, so the man sharpens the countenance of his friend. A friend is someone you need. I believe truly in life, though, that as you go live the longer we live, that we'll see that uh, some people we thought was friends will fall by the wayside. Amen? They won't be there through the thick and the thin. They won't be there when when something goes wrong or this or that. They fall away. But a friend will stay with you no matter what. And I believe truly that a lot of people says that you'll have no more friends than what will fit on one hand. And that seems to be true a lot in life, that if you end up at the end of the road and you have five I believe you'll be blessed, true friends. I'm talking about somebody, if you break down at 2 in the morning and you call them, that they won't say, well, I'm busy. Amen? I'm talking about a friend who'll say, I'm getting out of bed. I'll be there when I can get there, as soon as I can. But verse 18 says, he or whosoever keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. I believe this life that we have, that we're living, is a gift from God. Amen? That he has given us this gift of life. But uh, I believe it's what uh, Solomon is saying here, that if we keep the fig tree, if we tend to it, and I believe our life is something that needs tended to. Amen? Wow. That we need somebody there that's fertilizing the base, that's making sure to pour water on during drought. And I believe that if we tend to the fig tree of life, we'll eat the fruit thereof. Sometimes I believe that we as individuals poison our fig tree. Amen? Amen? You want to kill a tree? Go up there and pull diesel fuel around it every day. It'll dry up pretty quickly. It's going to kill it because it's being poisoned. And I believe that as we talk about this reflect in this sermon series that God is wanting us to reflect. And as I say that, I think that we as individuals most likely in life, if you're kind of uh, designed, kind of like me, my mind is, that when I begin to reflect about things, that as I look back, automatically the enemy will throw in some bad things I've done. Can anybody say amen? He'll always bring up your past and he'll always throw it in your face and say, yeah, you're trying to serve God, but you did this. He's always looking backward and trying to cast blame on you and cast fear on you to where that you can't live in the present because you're you're, you're afraid of what you've done in the past is preventing you from your future. So I believe as we reflect, we look back that most of the times the enemy is trying to point us in a direction that we're looking negatively in life. Amen? that our negative influence just automatically takes over and it tries to condition us to always think negatively. And I believe that those negative thoughts is the poison that we're pulling around the base of our tree, this tree of life that we're trying to live. But if we always think negative thoughts, it's going to poison our future and we're going to eat poisonous fruit. How many would like a different kind of future than that? Amen. I would like to have a life of blessing. God promised Joshua... That if he would read his word, if he would do what the word says, that he would be successful in life. How many would like to be successful in life? God wants you to be successful. He desires for you to be successful. But you cannot keep dwelling and thinking about the negative things in your past and get to an abundance future. Amen? If you want abundance in your future, you need to begin to think like the word of God speaks in your life. Word of the Word of God says, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Yeah. If I think on those thoughts that I don't have to worry about what I did yesterday, because yesterday's gone. I'm living in today, and tomorrow may never come, so I need to live right now like this is the last day that I get to live. And as I do that and think about what all God wants me to do, think positive thoughts. Consider the things that God wants to do in your life. So as I'm around friends, I want to be around friends and, and uh, or are uh, Nobody's ever been guilty of being around the wrong crowd? Anybody in this room? Anybody ever hung out the wrong crowd? You you all know those friends I'm talking about. Don't don't look around. You might look at somebody and they might think you're thinking that's them. I don't know. Could be. But you you might have some friends that bog you down. Right? We're guilty by association. That we're there just because we're with them. We're automatically. Maybe you have one of those negative-minded friends that's always bringing up. Well, you remember that time we did this? And you're like, man, I'm trying to live for God. Amen? I think that's why God had to take me out of Lewis County and let me go to Raceland to church because I could have never outlived my past of the seeds I've sown in Lewis County. Amen? I had to get outside here and God took me out of this place so that I could get conditioned. Amen? Amen. I would drive all the way from Quincy, Kentucky to Raceland every day to go to church. A lot of people looked at me and said, well, how many churches are you passing to drive up there? I don't know. It's just where God told me to go. Just like there's people in this room this morning that's drove from a long way. There's one couple here from Ohio, way over across the river. They drove a lot of miles to get here today. How many churches did they pass? It's awesome, but God says, come to Bethesda. They're here this morning. We're grateful to have them. Amen. Amen. It's not just a Lewis County thing. It's where God wants you to be is where you need to be planted. So today, as I think about this, this reflecting, as we're looking back, it's easy to reflect on the negative. Sometimes it's hard to think on the positive. But God wants us to begin to reflect as a church, as a group, as a congregation, and say, looking back, wow. As I look back on my life today, I can honestly say, if I don't live to breathe another breath, this has been a good life. Amen? This has been a good life. If I don't get another day, this has been good. And I'm grateful to God because he is a good God. And he's given me the gift of life. And I've had a lot of family and friends. And as I think about this reflecting, one place I know that most reflection can happen is a graveyard. Amen? We go to a graveyard, we can reflect on some things in life. Whenever I go to a graveyard, my grandmother, my grandpa, my other grandpa, they're all up there in the same graveyard. I can go up there and reflect. And I just sit there and look at the grave and I think about all the things and all the joys of life. My grandpa taught it. He took me to flea markets. They don't get any better than that. <laughs> Amen. Took me to flea markets. He would do things. He would give us, he would give us chickens and tell us to go trade. We'd go trade for rabbits. Men, how we could come back with anything. You go to the flea market and trade, you gotta write the barter, you can come back with anything. Build us a big old pen outside of his house. There was pheasants, turkeys, peacocks, rabbits, all in one big pen. And as I think back and reflect about the good things of life, my grandma Collier taught me a lot of things in life and she would always speak in my life and she'd always tell me that I was special. You ever been told you're special? You need to be. My grandma was bimbo, bimbo, where are you gonna go, bimbo? She'd sing me my own little song. Give me by myself and sing to me. I always felt special when I was around her. And as I sit there and reflect back and think about all the good things of the people that's gone on before me in life. That as I reflect on those things, I ponder about those things. I don't think about the time, it doesn't always come back that I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my grandma's grave and thinking about her and concerned and you know reflecting. I don't think about the times that she jerked a knot in my tail. That's what she'd call it. <laughs> Anybody heard of a knot jerk in your tail? I've had a few of those in my life. <laughs> and whenever my grandma got on you, you, you better be ready because it was on. She she was going to make sure it counted because I think she stored up all those actions for that one time. But I I don't ponder on those things. I ponder about the good things about my grandma in a graveyard. We can think about the good things of the past. But in a graveyard, as I sit there and ponder and I think about my grandpa Collier standing beside of him and listening to him testify in church as a a little kid, it's as fresh and as real as so I'm standing here right now, that I can hear Paul Carter stand up and I can watch his fingers. I would watch his fingers as they grip the chair, pew. And he testify. He talked about the time that God healed him of prostate cancer. I can just hear it, just like it's real right now. I can ponder and reflect on that, of the good things that God has done in his life. But as we reflect back and think back and look back, As I I go to those graveyards, you can see that. And that body is still laying there in those graves. The physical body is still there. But the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen? As I think about my grandma, it's her body laying there in the ground, and sure, it's got a tombstone sitting there, but her spirit is present with the Lord. She's in heaven today, rejoicing forevermore. Amen? And as I ponder about that and reflect about that, I know someday I want to go meet my grandma again I know I want to go meet my grandpa again that I desire and reflect as I ponder those things and think and I'm concerned about those when the one before me that as I reflect on that I'm reflecting on those good things but Jesus was crucified he was beaten he was smitten he was punched in the face they pulled out his beard they spit on him they beat him to a point of where he was unrecognizable even to his family, and the cat of nine tails that they put him 39 stripes across his back, completely ripped the flesh away from his. Yeah. And they took him and they laid him in a tomb. Yeah. When they laid him in that tomb, they was expecting that that body would lay there forever, just like all the other bodies before. But this man called Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God in the flesh. God incarnate, God with us. He was Emmanuel. Amen? And this body they laid in here expecting the same thing that had always happened before. But this Jesus was different than anything that the world had ever seen. And as they went back, the Second day, they would go back and they would spring appointment and they would do these different things that they was doing as Jewish people to expect what God was doing. And they was reflecting on the good times of Jesus and the disciples would go and the, the ladies would go and they would do uh, all the things. And can you imagine as they go to the tomb that third morning and they go there to weep and ponder and reflect on what Jesus had done. As they get to the grave that morning, it says the women went there first and, and women always beat us men. That's just the way it is. You just got to give up right now if we are in a three-on-three tournament, women win every time. Amen. Or You better let them win. Amen. I, I, I remember mom, dad, mom playing stuff, uh, games whenever I was little. You better let mom win. It's going to be bad around the house if mom do not win. Right? Women's got to go first. So, okay, here in the story of Jesus, the women's got to go first. Why? Because that's just the way it is, man. Just get over it. That's the way it's got to be. So these women go up, and they Mary Magdalene gets there, and she looks, and where she stands before the tomb that morning, she gets there early, and as she's looking for Jesus. The angels tip-talk to her and they tell her, why do you seek the living among the dead? There's an announcement, a proclamation that the earth had just shifted from one point in time to the next. And as I ponder that this morning, that I'm reflecting on that this morning, that there was a shift happened in an instant, in a moment, whenever God called forth his son and said, come out, of that, come out of that grave, be victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus had no option but to come out of that grave. And when Jesus arose from the grave that morning, he he come out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. They no longer have uh, the ability to contain people anymore. Because why? Because God got involved in humanity's mess. And I believe today that in this room, in this place that we're sitting today, this Easter day 2018, if we would reflect on life and think back and ponder about the good things God has done and see that God is able to bring us, He's well able to bring us out of the mess that we're currently in. Jesus was in a pickle, He was in a tomb, He was cast away from society, but with God, its ability, God has an ability to redeem you, to call you out, to bring you out of the mess you're in. And there may be some people in this room today that's they're thinking, man, pastor, you don't know what kind of mess I'm in. You don't know what situations I'm dealing with. You don't know what the enemy's telling me about my past. You don't know how he's pulling me back and holding me down and all the thoughts I'm thinking is negative. You may be saying that this morning, but I know a risen Savior that can redeem you from all the past sin that you've committed. Amen? I trust Jesus with my life this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. As I reflect... What do I see? I believe God wants us this morning to know that we can have an entire whole new outlook because of Easter. Yes. That truly our life, just as Jesus' life shifted in an instant, yours can shift this morning. <clears throat> you can walk out of this room today a whole new person. Redeemed, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And all it is is accepting. To simple acceptance of Jesus Christ and His blood to atone for your sins. You can't fix your yesterday. I'm going to say it again. You cannot fix your yesterday. But Jesus can. He can heal you, He can retrain your mind book of Romans tells us that. To make our mind renewed by God. The Bible says to take every thought captive. Scripture teaches us take every thought captive. How many can say this morning in this room? I've had some bad thoughts. I think some bad thoughts. Amen? The enemy tries to go in here and this is battleground. This is where he's going to do business. He's going to trick your mind into pondering about all the wrong, all the things and how you couldn't obtain those and how, why your life is a wreck, why your, all this is going on. And he tries to trick you to keep you looking backwards so you cannot look forward. But I believe that today as we reflect and look back and think about the good things in life, that God has already blessed me. Even before I was saved, I could look back and know that God was with me throughout my childhood. I I know of times where the God was protecting me. I know of times when I was I can remember one event specifically right now, I was I was drunker than Cootie Brown, whoever that is. I don't know who he is, but he was drunk because I I was drunker than him and I was driving around the ridge and I remember driving around through there and I was going way too fast and there were four people in the cab with me, and as I was traveling around that road our truck began to slide. And I remember it like, I sobered up in an instant because it was like something held us on the road. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, God loves us. I believe the prayers of my mama caused angels to protect me that night. And I'm sure if you would think back through your life and and consider and reflect back, even though you was in the wrong, even though you was doing the wrong thing, and even though you was doing everything to mess your whole life up, that sometimes God was still there protecting you, even when you didn't recognize it then. But you can think back and, man, God has been good to me. Is there anybody in this room today that can say amen? God has been good to me. If we would ponder and think about all the times, the ways that he protects us, that we look back, we could see that. The synonyms of, of reflect is this, to think about, to give thought to, to give us consideration to, to review. I love this one, to maul over. That's one of those counties can understand. Just, just look at there and just say mauled over. Maul just, over. Just maul that over. Think back on those things. You can contemplate, you can you can meditate, you can brood over, you can brood on it, you can you can turn it over in one's mind. There's a lot of different words to talk about reflection and looking backwards. I don't know what you need to be reflecting on this morning because I've never lived your life. I can't think for Ernie. I can't reflect for Ernie. Ernie's lived his own life. I don't know what it's like to live up with ten kids in a house and no food for five. I don't know what that's like. <coughs> Ten siblings in one house. Now Aaron, do you think you've got, <laughs> you got a bed? You've got a bedroom all yourself. How would you like to have five or six siblings in there with you in one room? <laughs> See, we can't, we can't think for each other. It's your job to ponder and reflect and think about Amen. yourself. A lot of things the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. He cares about Ernie's ten siblings just as much as he does Aaron looking at her to grandmas and listening to Pappa Rick gripe at her. She's in pawpaw right there. She, just, she straightened up as soon as I said that. Just all she she straightened up in her chair. Poor little Xander. It's about time to put the roof on Xander. Getting closer every day. To ponder. To, reflect, to think about can you just think back and ponder about some individuals maybe that you lost in this life that's done went on maybe you do go to the graveyard and you sit there and you ponder and you reflect and you think about all the good things that they did for you what are you reflecting today to think deeply or carefully about I believe in this room today that God is causing us to review, to reflect. But in that, those disciples, they had come to this point in time where they was reflecting on what had just happened. Most of them had spent three years walking, talking, everything, their whole life was consumed by Jesus. And the enemy state took that Jesus and they crucified him. So I want us to reflect just for a moment on what it was like for those 12 disciples. For one of them specifically, he went and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He reflected on that. His reflection looking back and feeling sorrow. You know what the Bible says happened to him? As he was looking back, he became so entangled and, and, and just... The enemy's grip was on his life telling him, You have messed up beyond the point of reconciliation. And it says that Judas went out and he hung himself in a tree. Because what he'd done. I don't know about you. Have you ever had thoughts of suicide? It's number one it's the number one killer in the nation for those people sitting in this these young people sitting in the room their generation, the number one killer of teenagers was suicide. And I remember one time when I was a teenager and I was having a hard time and things was going on in my life that I didn't like very much. And I told my mom I was gonna jump in front of a tractor wheel. She beat me until I didn't want her in front of a tractor wheel. <laughs> That's one of the few times my mama actually beat me. But I deserved it. She caused me to reflect and think right. Today reflect and think back, Judas thought back like that and he actually ended up going through with it, he killed himself because it was Passover, he couldn't stay they wouldn't go out there and do any work to help get him down or anything, and he hung out there for a couple days while waiting on the Sabbath to come back so that they could do the work to cut him down and it says whenever he fell down off the cross that he busted into and his entrails fell out it's a bad reflection, right? I'll tell you today. That's what the enemy wants your future to be. Is one where you give up on life and you end up losing it all. Over 30 pieces of silver. There's other disciples there. They. They had nothing. They'd given up all they had. They went back to fishing. There's all different kinds of parts of these 12 different people. But as they reflected for these days, these three days on Jesus being in the tomb, I'm sure they was thinking back about all the good things Jesus had done. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen withered hands come back. They'd see blind eyes open. They'd seen deaf ears come to where the people could hear. They'd seen the lame to get up and walk. They'd seen the dead raised in Lazarus. They saw all these things, but as they were reflecting and looking back, they couldn't think about how good God had been. They was always worried about oh he's gone now and how much was missing and how much was absent there in that moment and they went and they sat in this upper room and they were scared of it happening to them. And they thought if they killed Jesus, they are going to kill us. Because he told us that we would be persecuted because he was persecuted. And they were scared for their life and they was locked in this upper room. And whenever they was there. But as Jesus was resurrected that morning, the women come back and told the disciples, Hey, he is risen. He's not there. He's, he's alive. They thank, The angels told us. And the, the, the disciples sitting there and, I, and one of them named Thomas. Told these women, he said, I don't believe it. I won't believe it until I can put my fingers in his hand or put my hand in his side and know that he's risen. He had to have proof. And the whole remainder of Christianity ever since then in the church, he's known as Doubting Thomas. Don't be a doubter. Don't be a doubter today because Jesus told Thomas when he'd come in that room and he come through the door. He didn't even open the door, he'd come through the door, his ghost or whatever it was, the spirit of Jesus come through the door. And as he shows himself to him, he told Thomas, he said, Look here, Thomas. Put your hand in my side, put your fingers in my hands. And sure, you'll believe because you've seen me, but there's coming a whole group and a host of people that will be more blessed because they have faith without seeing me. And that's what we're required to do in this room today. We won't see a physical Jesus. We can't touch Him today. All we know about is hearing the story of Easter about a risen Savior. But today, what are we going to do with that information? Are we going to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be our Savior, our Lord, even though we've never seen Him? I can tell you, my trip, when I went to Raceland to go to church, then I drove up there that day, I told God I'd get saved, i get to church, I stand there, the sermon goes on, Pastor Wells asked if anybody wants to come forward to get prayer, to pray for salvation, I didn't go forward because I didn't want to be in front of a crowd of 400 people. I stood there to, at the pew, and I had gripped that pew, and I, I was pondering, I was thinking about I was reflecting on life, and I wanted to be saved because I was tired of being lost. Pastor Will says, is there anybody here that would just like prayer that you're you're contemplating it, you're pondering it, you're reflecting it right now, but you are not, you don't have enough uh, tenacity to come forward and you would like for me to pray for you. Is there anybody here would want that? I raise my hand. Pastor, pray for me. I was brave enough to do that. Everybody had their head bowed, their eyes closed. Amen. So I go out and get my truck and I'd head back from home. And as I was driving down the road, that was at Racing, And about the time I was getting back towards Grant, as I was coming, my heart began to beat out of my chest like this. And as I was driving down the road, I I just began to think. And God said, you told me you would give me your life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm reflecting on this right now of how good God's been to me. Of the rotten things I've done in life, I should have been killed before I got out of the driveway. But He loved me. He's long-suffering. He's got grace for us, church. And as I driving down the road, I turned around and greeted, and I done a U-turn, and as I headed back to races, I said, God, please let somebody be there so that when I get back to church that I can go get saved. And as I'm driving back up that way, my heart's still beating, knowing I've got to give my life to God. Pulling the parking lot, there's still cars sitting everywhere. And as I look, I look inside, the lights are still on. I get out of my truck, and I don't know one person in this church. I don't know anybody. And I walk through the doors. Pastor Wells still standing over there on the left. I can see it in my mind. I'm reflecting it right now. And as I walk over to him, I walk up to him, and I say, Pastor, I need saved. He told me, he said, okay, that's good. And he got the teenagers, and he looked at them. They were standing there contemplating where they were going to go eat. That's all teenagers do. They're trying to decide between the Giovanni's and the Mears. It's two pizza joints. They're so going to eat pizza both places. It's what kind, I guess. The pastor looked at him and he said, take this young man and go up there and kneel to altar and lead him to Jesus. I grew up in church. I knew who Jesus was. But there's a difference in knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus. Amen. Can somebody say amen? It's a whole nother thing to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I walked up that altar, and I knelt down, and I just the, the tears flowing down my face. And I couldn't—I was just pondering and reflecting and thinking, "What was it that Pastor Richmond used to tell us how to get saved?" And I was going through all these people in my mind of how do I get saved. Finally, I just looked over at that boy, and I said, "I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to say." That young man looked at me and said, "Just ask him to forgive you." It's as simple as that. Just ask Him to forgive you. So I just, God, forgive me. I said, ask Him to be Lord of your life. Just be Lord of my life, Jesus. And when I stood up, after just a few moments there kneeling at that altar, and I stood up, it was like a weight got lifted off my shoulders and I was able to be free for the first time in my life. A total freedom that I could reflect and look back. And I'm telling you, God will cause even your enemies when you drive by them that you look at people that you used to hate. I will look at them with love because God changed my life. My whole perspective changed. I don't know what state everybody in this room is in today, but I'm here to tell you, reflect a little bit. And if you're living a life that you'd be ashamed to stand before God, reflect a little bit to know this. That you can know Jesus before we walk out of this room today. Amen. 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 Let's all stand. This is a four part (coughs) sermon. I can't preach it all one time. Jesus reflected in the garden of Gethsemane. He thought back through the three years that he'd lived with his disciples. He was pondering. And he was almost afraid to let go of what he knew for the unknown. There probably comes a point in his prayer in the garden of Gethsemane where his great drops of blood, of sweat, was dripping from his head. And Jesus knew the anxiety, the pain that he was fixing to feel in crucifixion. He finally gets to a point where he's telling God, let this cup pass from me, I can't do this. He finally gets to a point where he just turns it over and he says, you know what? Daddy, Not my will, but yours be done. We need to be like Jesus. If Jesus reflected, so should we. I want everybody in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. I love the way the New Living translation says at verse 19 as a face is reflected in water so the heart reflects the real person and I believe that there's people in this room today as you're sitting here and you're listening to this sermon that God's spirit the Holy Spirit as you begin to reflect about your life you're seeing the real version of you for the first time maybe in a long time and God's telling you today is a day of salvation To believe in his resurrected son. To give your life over to him. And let him be Lord of your life. There's some Christians in this room that's got some misplaced priorities. This title, Reflect, is causing you to look back and see, man, there was a better time in my saved part of my life. And I want to return to that. You're reflecting on that. Hebrews chapter twelve says, "Let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run the race. Let us run a race. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to every individual in this room? Very- Go and speak inside of their hearts, even this very moment." That illuminate our lives, God, that we can reflect and see the state of where we're at. Nobody looking around, every eye closed. I want to know, is there anybody in this room that said, Pastor Ben, as I reflect today, and think about the state of where my life is at this moment. I'm at a point, I'm at a juncture, and I know I want to walk out of that door changed by the power of God. Is there anybody here to lift their hands and say, that's me. I want to walk out of this room changed. I want to be resurrected the way Jesus was. I want a new lease on life. The Resurrection power of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Is there others? Thank you for that hand. Amen. Is there are others? Your heart's about to beat out of your chest. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? There's others in this room. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. The power of God is present and real. It's real here. It's a reality. The resurrected Jesus is here drawing us to him. Is there anybody else that would say that's me? Pastor, I want to pray a prayer. I want to saved today. I want to walk out with a new lease of life. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you for all those hands that was lifted. I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer with me. I want us all, the Bible tells us to be an encouragement to our brother, to our sister that we're to bear everybody's burdens, that we're to carry each other along on those journeys of life. There's people in this room today that said, I'm tired of living the life I've been living. I'm ready for salvation. And I believe we all ought to pray together. I want everybody here to say this, repeat this prayer after me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, Father, I come to you you. in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, you. forgive me for for my sins. Forgive me for my faults. Forgive me for my failures. Help me to have a positive outlook, a new lease on life, that eternity would be my goal, and you would be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.